This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, August 8th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. Argentina's long struggle with inflation demands a more radical approach, and dollarization is looking more like the right policy choice. Cato's David Raceback discusses the upside of taking away monetary discretion from the government of Argentina and why that will pay dividends for the people who just want to live their lives. We spoke last week. All right, before we get into the meat of the subject matter, we should understand uh, two things. One, what has been Argentina's experience with inflation and what has driven it? And the other, of course, is what is dollarization? So if you don't mind, start with the Argentine experience with respect to inflation. Right. Well, in the last um, 30 years, they had um, over 100% inflation levels in the late 80s and early 90s. And uh, under uh, an incoming government then, they had something similar to dollarization, which is called a convertibility system. So they basically pegged the currency to the dollar at a certain exchange rate. Um, and, and that's similar because um, it basically doesn't, doesn't allow for, for monetary policy. And uh, that worked in terms of bringing down inflation from uh, over 1,000% to basically 2% or 1%. So it was successful in, in that sense, but uh, it wasn't uh, dollarization, yeah. And you can understand just initially how even that process of uh, allowing convertibility disciplines a central bank because anybody with, uh, if, if inflation is rearing its ugly head, every, uh, everybody in Argentina would immediately try to convert to dollars as quickly as possible. And that would uh, serve as some kind of discipline on the central bank. Is that fair? Right. Well, what you have with convertibility is that you just have a fixed exchange rate. So it, it basically handicaps the, the central bank. And when it works in an orthodox currency board, uh, the central bank really cannot carry out monetary policy. They just have an exchange rate policy to keep that exchange rate fixed and that's it. The problem with a currency board and uh, Argentina, for example, Steve Hankey has called it a non-orthodox currency board because they were still carrying out monetary policy, um, was that, uh, for instance, at one point they had a dual exchange rate, so one exchange rate for imports and another for exports. So speculators really um, noticed that the, the thing was falling apart and they started attacking the currency. And then Argentina had to carry out a very chaotic exit in 2001. But there are three countries with a long experience with uh, dollarization, uh, which essentially just takes the central bank out of the process of setting the price of money, right? Right. Well, um, a currency board, and these are Steve Hankey's terms, is the equivalent of a straitjacket because it uh, doesn't allow the local politi- political class to carry out monetary policy, whereas dollarization is the equivalent of a hangman's noose. Uh, so that the central bank um, either disappears or if it re- remains in existence, it's really powerless because the country has officially recognized uh, another currency, in, in this case, the U.S. dollar, in the case of Panama, Ecuador, and, and El Salvador, as the official currency, which means that the 
neither politicians nor technocrats nor central bankers can really manipulate the currency at all. They lose all control. And it's to the great benefit of the people. So what has been the experience of those three countries that have fully dollarized with respect to inflation over that same, you know, the last couple of decades? Right. Well, Panama has been dollarized for um, over 100 years. Uh, in the case of Ecuador and El Salvador, it's more recent. It's in the last uh, two decades or so. And th these are the countries that have the lowest inflation levels in all of Latin America, along with Peru, which is semi-dollarized in, in terms of you can, in Peru, you can open dollar-denominated bank accounts, which you can't do in, in many other countries. So these countries, in terms of inflation, are by far the most successful, and it's no, it should come as no surprise because uh, the politicians can't mani manipulate the local currency. So uh, what is the process for Argentina to take this step? You note in your paper that almost a third of uh, people in Argentina would like to see the country dollar fully dollarize. Um, that doesn't seem like that many. Uh, but where inflation is uh, a significant threat to the ability of people to accumulate wealth, to make investments, they make really any kind of financial plans for their future. Um, you know, obviously it's a it's a front and center issue. Um, so what is the process for actually doing it? Right. Well, the the official inflation rate, annual inflation rate right now, is one hundred and fourteen percent. So as we mentioned. It comes as no surprise that it's the number one issue people are preparing to vote. They have a mandatory primary for all parties on August 13th, and then they'll have the first round of voting at the end of October. And if they have a, a second round of runoff, it'll be in December. So you, you have a new government coming in in the next um, six months or so. And uh, people know, of course, that inflation is, is the number one problem. Uh, if they were to dollars, and by the way, I think 29% supporting dollarization is quite a lot because dollarization is difficult to understand beforehand, before it, people, it's difficult for people to understand the benefits. Um, and for instance, when Ecuador dollarized in 2000, uh, over 65% or 70% of the people polled were against dollarization. And it, it is an initial shock. Uh, but the last poll that I saw from a few years ago in Ecuador, you had nearly 90% of people in favor of the dollar and nobody wanted to go back to, to another currency. So once, once a country is dollarized, people can tell the benefits on a daily basis. And the fact that they can maintain their purchasing power over the long term is, uh, the main advantage. Now, dollarization doesn't mean that, uh, you're going to have necessarily economic growth or that you're going to have a sound fiscal policy. In fact, uh, Ecuador recently in 2020 defaulted on debt, so politicians can still uh, carry out reckless fiscal policy, but um, at least they're not able to monetize the debts or to print money uh, without any type of uh, reservation. So uh, in the end, it's, it's all a matter of what works for the people, and in these countries, dollarization has definitely worked. Now, if you combine dollarization with, uh, for instance, for instance, uh, economic liberalism, uh, like Panama has done in terms of the banking system, then it's very beneficial. And Panama has had well above average growth rates for Latin America, and it has one of the highest GDP per capita uh, rates in, in the entire region. And uh, of course, the process itself of dollarizing, um, it's all about the execution. But um, the good news is that there really are no prerequisites. You don't have to have... Um, previous steps to stabilize 
the debts or any macroeconomic measures or any or any fiscal measures. Once you dollarize, you just cut off the political class from the from the monetary policy, and uh, that's just almost it, it. Just brings immediate benefits, especially in terms of of inflation, and it effectively freezes their inflation rate at whatever the U.S. inflation rate is, which you know the difference between one hundred and fourteen and six is quite a lot. Right. And not necessarily because uh, some critics of dollarization claim that if you dollarize in Latin America, for, for example, that you're um, basically yielding your monetary policy or, or surrendering your monetary policy to the United States and to the Federal Reserve. And that's not really the case because um, the dollar flows into these countries ultimately depend on the internal factors. So, uh, for instance, Ecuador and uh, else and um, Panama had uh, did not have uh, double-digit inflation during COVID and, and the aftermath. Uh, it actually, I think, Ecuador had lower inflation than than the United States because not the same factors are at play. Uh, El Salvador did have an uptick in inflation. I think it went up to eight percent, but I think that was um, due to um, remittances since they have such a large percentage of their economy are remittances from the United States. So when the U.S. government is handing out money for free, it's obvious that a good portion of that money is going to end up back in a country like El Salvador. And I think that explains uh, inflation there, but it's still uh, nowhere near um, a country like Argentina or even the, the countries that experienced double-digit inflation in Latin America in the last few years. Can you handicap this at all? That is, what expectations do you have about uh, whether or not Argentina makes this, you know, pretty dramatic decision in the next, in the in this month or in the coming months. Right. Well, it's still very unlikely or, or pretty much unlikely because there is one candidate who is proposing dollarization. He's a libertarian candidate uh, and he's coming basically from out of nowhere. He's not running for any of the established parties. He was leading the polls a few months ago with around 26%. Now he's down to 19%. He's had a few a few scandals. Really, if, if this candidate, his name is Javier Milei, if he were to win, well, his main proposition is dollarization. Uh, the other candidates, even on the center-right, uh, are not really favoring dollarization. And there's a debate even within classical liberals in Argentina. But what we're trying to do with our, our paper, our Cato Institute policy brief, is just put the subject out there and try to depoliticize, depoliticize it a bit uh, because it's not about if one candidate proposes dollarization or not. It's about this being, uh, in our opinion, the best policy for Argentina. And if Argentina were to dollarize, I think it would be uh, a very big event for the entire region because it's one of the large countries and the country that a lot of people pay attention to. And if they do that successfully, I think uh, it would be beneficial for the entire region, not only for Argentina. Daniel Raisbeck is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please. And thank you for listening.